It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Everybody is stepping up to defend the quarterback in Dallas. That's nothing new, and it continues. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. The only question is, should they really be doing that? Joseph Deck Prescott, as we know, had uh, Micah Parsons step out and kind of defend him the other day. Why does Dak get all the heat when all these other teams, when they lose and their quarterbacks, they don't get any heat? Well, he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, and that's probably why. But I want to hear a little bit here from Mike McCarthy, who was on with uh, Adam Shine on Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM. Uh, here is what he had to say about what he sees in Dak Prescott as his quarterback. I love Dak Prescott as as our quarterback. I, I think the way he's built all the way through, obviously his physical skill set is, is excellent. Um, you know, but what he endures mentally and emotionally compared to the other thirty one is is you know is, is unique. Uh, I've, I've never seen. And speaking on experience of being around great quarterbacks, I've never seen a quarterback uh, under so much under a microscope like he is and just his consistency you know and his personality and work ethic and how he handles all that and navigates all that and he gets out and goes out and performs it every week i think it's i think it's special what he has to endure you know this is this is what comes with the job i'm why is this now all of a sudden a thing where we're not treating dak prescott fairly why is that the case i mean Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers didn't get the heat that Dak Prescott did. Maybe until he won a Super Bowl, and not not at this level. You are the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Why is there this need for everybody else to come out and defend him? He is not getting barraged. He is not getting booed off the field. He is not getting absolutely destroyed. We are reacting to the way he is playing, which is like an average quarterback, Joe. That, I'm sorry, there is nothing wrong with criticizing somebody like that. And I don't think Dak Prescott gets too much criticism. I think it's a fair amount. Well, I mean, let's be let's be honest. Is it a fair amount relative to quarterbacks comparable to him and the criticism they receive? Let me no, give you an example. No, but when you have the star on your helmet, that level changes. You're not dealing with comparable to other guys in the league anymore. But that's why his team is rallying around him because they're the only ones who understand that. You can only understand that if you also wear the star on your helmet. McCarthy gets it. Micah Parsons gets it. He takes a ton of heat. A lot of it deservedly so, because once you get the big contract, you're held in a different light than when you're on the rookie deal. He's been on the big, he's been on the big contract. He wears the star. He's been in the playoffs. He hasn't delivered. We've seen some really bad efforts and some really big games, and people go after him. And it's a talking point because it rates. So I can understand why we're talking about it, and I can understand why they want to stand up for their guy. To put something into comparison's sake, though, the amount of heat that Dak Prescott takes versus Deshaun Watson is not even close to acceptable. 
And if I'm a member of the Dallas Cowboys, I look at that and I say, you know what? That's the problem here. Deshaun Watson has been awful. Deshaun Watson gets paid more than Dak Prescott. And Deshaun Watson has a really sleazy and unacceptable history. Dak has none of that. What has Dak ever done that's wrong that's off the field, right? Like, we don't have any reports of stuff like that. The guy shows up for work. He puts in the work. He just doesn't get the great Super Bowl results. And as a result, we criticize him. Yeah, okay, that's going to happen. But if you're a member of the Dallas Cowboys, you look around and you see the way we treat Watson. Like we mentioned in passing, well, if Watson could just get up to speed, you know, think about what Cleveland could be. And then we move on. Kirk Cousins, he never wins a big game, ever. But he gets fully guaranteed contracts, and we make our joke, and then we move on. But Dak takes it every single day. And while he wears the star, and it rates for us, so we're going to continue to do it, I completely see where McCarthy and Parsons are coming from because they know what that's like, and when they look around the rest of the league, they can see that there's a fairness issue at play here. Yeah, I'm sorry. Those are the rules of the game. And we didn't make the rules. It's just how they are. You want to talk to the guy who helped make the rules? He's your owner. He's the one who's blown this up from a branding standpoint over the last 30 years. The Cowboys were already America's team, and he has turned them into the most valuable franchise in in North American sports. So when it's worth $9 billion and the spotlight is on being the Cowboys quarterback, nobody was forcing you to sign a contract to continue to be the Cowboys quarterback and continue to make hundreds of millions of dollars. Let me ask you this. If da- is right, that- but Dak's not the one that's complaining. Dak's I, not complaining about it. The, I, it's I understand, that are but those up. other guys understand what's going on here, too. Listen, you're right. Deshaun Watson has gotten off, in my view, scot-free for everything that has gone on here. I mean, we had people from Cleveland calling up the network at the time, absolutely couldn't wait for Deshaun Watson to get to town. We're so excited. Did not give a damn about anything that had happened. I wonder how those people are feeling today. That Deshaun Watson hasn't done jack squad douche for you, and he can't even get back on the field. You still turning a blind eye to everything now? Kirk Cousins, you play for the Minnesota Vikings. You're not going to catch the heat. I get it. If you're Micah, if you're Mike, you want to back up your guy, I got no problem with that. But let's not pretend that Dak Prescott is doing unprecedented things with the scope of being the Cowboys quarterback. Troy Aikman did it and was brilliant at it. Not everybody's Troy Aikman. I understand that. Can you be a winning quarterback? Can you be a winning quarterback? That's all I'm asking. He's won 24 games in the regular season the last two years. They won 12 games you know in the last I mean. two years. You know what I mean. Okay, so playoff wins. Yeah, all yes. right. By win- you're going to win during the regular season a ton. That's fine. They've never been atrocious under him. I totally get that. All I'm asking you to do is go win some playoff games. And, yeah, for any quarterback in the league, that's asking a lot, right? But when you are paid as such, you have to deliver. And all that responsibility not only comes with the position, but with the franchise that you're with. That's true. But then at the same time, it's a moving scale for him. Last year, they annihilated they annihilated Tom Brady on Tom Brady's field last year. Prescott played huge. They blew out the Buccaneers. And all anyone could say was, well, the Bucs sucked this year. That was it. There wasn't even a thought to giving Prescott credit for shredding that team that had won the Super Bowl two years prior. And what happened? That had, 
What's that? And then what happened? Yeah, and then they lost. But that's the point. You, you're going to go right to focusing on the loss. I'm not. I'm not debating that. He went. He lost. He got criticized. I get it. But again, look how quickly you moved off that win. You didn't even address it. The fact that he went to Tampa, blew out Brady on his home field. You didn't even address that. You couldn't wait to get to the loss. That's what they're pointing out. Even if he plays well, there's an excuse for why he played well. He gets no credit. He never gets any credit for anything. And again, yes. He signed the contract. He knows what comes with it. He's not the one complaining. We're again going after him because of what his teammates said. We're going after him because of what his coach said. And all they did was defend him. You know what? And again, I hate you for making me defend the Cowboys. Because this is like the third time I've done it this week. But when things went south with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, the team had no problem. Letting the, letting the media know that there were issues, right? No one was standing up for Mayfield. And that's happened to other quarterbacks when things have gone south. His team's standing up for him here. It's not like anyone's coming out talking trash. I actually give the team credit for keeping it together. All right. As sick as that makes me say. And I'm done with these segments this week. No more of these segments where I'm defending the Cowboys. Otherwise, I'm just walking off. And, and any of the, anyone who's got a problem with that, take it up with McCarthy. He'll, he'll stand up for me, I'm sure. Uh, well... I would say two things there. Uh, number one, if that's the case, you know, we'll make it work. So don't worry. Number yeah, two, I'd imagine you you won't be at a loss for words. <laughs> now, listen, when I went when I go right to the loss, it's because that's a first round game. Right, that way. This, See, here it comes again. No, it's no, a first round is, game. So he's we're not two and four in the playoffs, and they have lost games that they should not lose. They have lost games that they should not lose, and he has not been great in the postseason. He just hasn't. And all I'm asking him, they haven't even gotten to a championship game. Like a divisional game. I wouldn't be going right to the loss if it was a divisional game. It wasn't. If it was a championship game. I wouldn't be going right to it. I'd be more sympathetic to his plight. I also do wonder this, though, and you tell me about this. By McCarthy and Parsons coming out and saying this this week, is this more harmful than helpful? It's really drawing more attention to the fact that he gets criticized as much as he did. And I think in a lot of ways, publicly, it can make it worse. We, and we're not the only network that does this, but we're all looking for an, a Cowboys hook every single day. Uh, we're yes, but we don't a, talk about it for two straight hours. We're, I, I mean, we, yeah. <laughs> we're going uh, to, you know, uh, let's just end it on that. Yeah. End, I got nothing that's going to top that. How about that? <laughs> it's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Caleb Williams had the worst game of his college career this past Saturday night. So how will that impact his evaluation process? One NFL evaluator will tell us in moments on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 2022 Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. There's only one guy that can throw the ball like him, Mahomes. Go to Caleb Williams, unbelievable. He's awesome. He's really, really special. So is it going to be just as cut and dried as it has seemed to be for the last several months? It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. If you have not checked out the 33rd team and you are a football fan, you are missing out because they do a, a tremendous job top to bottom. Mike Tannenbaum and his entire crew, including Rick Spielman, the former Vikings GM, do an amazing job when it comes to scouting, when it comes to really laying out all different scenarios from a GM perspective, from an evaluation perspective. It is great stuff. And Rick joins us right now. Rick, it's Chris Carlin, along with Joe Fortenbaugh on ESPN Radio. We appreciate the time. And we have spent a lot of time on Caleb Williams, as I'm sure you've spent a lot more uh, on him than we have. So how does he compare to other quarterbacks that have come out of the draft in recent years? Well, it's only October. I didn't know the draft was next week. So he probably should talk about other things besides Caleb Williams. We've got about seven more months, it seems like, or to, as we'll continue to talk about him. But, you know, just watching Caleb Williams, and I watched all his games, and I watched the – Notre Dame game, which probably was one of his poorest performances uh, to date. He threw those three interceptions in the first half and some very poor decisions, just putting the ball up for grabs. But everything that he's done up till then, it's been unique, I guess is the best way to put it. His athleticism, his arm talent, his ability to make off-schedule throws by that, I mean, getting outside the pocket, he can make plays with his legs. Uh, defensive coordinators are going to have to worry about his scramble ability at the next level. But he's not an athlete playing quarterback. He's an athletic quarterback. because that, By that, I mean he knows how to play the position. But going back to that Notre Dame game and that three interceptions 
And then I was curious to see how he was going to respond in the second half. And even though he had the performance he had in the first half, was he going to be able to come out and respond the right way? And the maturity level, I know the game was a little out of hand, but he did have a turnover. He went back to getting through his reads and progressions. He made all the NFL throws that you've seen in previous games. And to me, that showed me a lot of maturity because that's probably the first game that he really had to go through some adversity. And anytime you're evaluating a college player, we always wanted to focus on if he has a poor game or a poor half, how does he respond? And it was like, I guess the best way to put it, duck off the water's back. He let that first half's performance go and then played very well in the second half. Rick, to, d- to dwell down on that game a little bit, you know, most of what Williams, most of where Williams plays, Southern California, Arizona, you know, Arizona State, to go into South Bend, weather was around 50 or so degrees. It was a little cooler. It was a little rainy. You know, if you're the Bears and you're sitting on the number one pick, does the fact that he had a poor performance in that type of weather affect the decision-making process? No, because the weather didn't affect him. It was the same weather. It all of a sudden didn't turn sunny in 85 degrees uh, in the second half. And he made all the throws you have previously seen him make through his career in that second half. So I don't believe it had any effect at all uh, from a weather standpoint. And plus some of the games that you've seen him play in Oklahoma, uh, especially towards the end of the year, that weather is not always 85 and sunny degrees either. Rick Spielman, former Vikings GM, of course, now with the 33rd team. Check it out at the 33rdteam.com. I'm curious, where would you rank him against the quarterbacks that have come out here the last couple of years, the guys like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and where he would have fit into that group? Uh, He was better than I I really liked uh, C.J. Stroud, really liked Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young's going to be a really good quarterback in this league. Uh, but he would have been the number one quarterback off the board last year. And probably, you know, going all the way back to the Joe Burrows of the world, that would have been a very interesting conversation when Joe Burrow went first overall. But I think he is a unique talent. Um, and I almost, you know, everybody wants to care, pair him, and you hear it all the time out there in the media to Patrick Mahomes. Well, Patrick Mahomes wasn't as good as as he is right now when Patrick Mahomes came out of Texas Tech. If Patrick Mahomes was that good, he would have been the first overall pick in that draft. Kansas City did a phenomenal job identifying the upside to Patrick Mahomes and, you know, the rest is history on what Patrick Mahomes is doing now. I kind of went all the way back and went back to an Andrew Luck-type prospect uh, that if I had to compare a prospect that was clearly a number one overall pick. I would say him and Caleb Williams, that's that's who I all went all the way back to to compare him to. When you're evaluating him compared to the rest of this class, do you think there's going to be a case to be made for Drake May or any other quarterback, or are we on a collision course with Caleb Williams as the number one overall selection? And I know it's early. I've, it's early, but I do believe that he is clearly the number one overall quarterback. I've watched a lot of Drake May as well. 
Um, and I think Drake May is going to be a very good quarterback in this league. And he's tall. He can move around in the pocket. He doesn't have a lot of weapons down there that he's working with right now until this Tez Walker just came eligible over the last two games. And you can see his NFL potential. So he does have a number true number one weapon. But, you know, Drake May's been getting hit in a lot in the pocket. Uh, and he's overcoming a lot of things as well. And to me, what's the measuring stick for Drake May is that without Drake May, I don't think North Carolina has the record they have because they don't have a lot of NFL talent around him at all. So I think he is carrying that team and that program to the success they're having, regardless of the talent around him. I don't think he's up in the Caleb Williams, but he's clearly the number two in this draft class. I think after that, you are going to have about seven or eight quarterbacks. I think this is a very deep quarterback class. Uh, who's going to be the number three quarterback that is taken off the board? Rick Spielman, former Vikings GM, member of the 33rd team, the 33rdteam.com. Uh, last one, biggest difference, biggest growth that would have you encouraged about Williams from last year to this year? I think he is being more patient in the pocket, almost to a fault, where he's trying to show everybody that I can be a quarterback from the pocket. Uh, at times, he'll hold on the ball too long instead of just taking what the defense gives him. And he's not going to be able to get away with that at the NFL level. But I think he is showing more poise and patience to hang in the pocket than relying just off of his athletic skill set to make things happen if the first read isn't there. And I do believe he's getting through his progressions a lot better, where if the number one option isn't there, he can get to his second and third option while he's still staying in the pocket. Rick, great stuff. We appreciate a few minutes. Yeah, the draft is seven months away, but we are fascinated by the teams, one in particular, that are really going to be in position to potentially take him. We appreciate the insight. Thank you for having me on. Yep. Rick Spielman, former Vikings GM and the 33rd team. I, I can't say. I hope he understands that. he's now officially locked in all those takes for the next seven months. Yes, exactly. Nothing I hope changes. he understands that. Yes. And we will absolutely send them right to freezing cold takes if we need to. Caleb Williams could say, I'm going to play baseball and enter the MLB draft. Rick, mm-hmm. Rick got it wrong. He had Caleb Williams number one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the standard by which we only hold other people, not ourselves, of course. No, why would we do that? That's not productive for me. No, absolutely not. How many, how many places is he an immediate difference maker in the NFL? Oof. We will examine that next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. 
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, so earlier today we gave you the under in tonight's Thursday night football game, 40 and a half points, Jaguars and Saints. Now I'm going to give you a couple overs. Both of them are centered around Alvin Kamara, the running back of the New Orleans Saints. We're going to go over four and a half receptions, which is even money. We're also going to go over 30 and a half receiving yards, which is minus 113. Here's the reason why, as I bring my notes up, they're Explain hiding. Explain yourself. Me. I'm filibustering. I can't find it. <laughs> Panic is setting in as they have moved the document around. Basically, it comes down to this. Kamara's played three games this season. He's being targeted around eight times per game. He's catching anywhere between six and seven passes per game, and he's going for about 28 yards per game. So the targets and the receptions have been fantastic as Derek Carr continues to check down. The yardage has been right around where the number is. The key is the opposition. Jacksonville has not defended opposing running backs coming out of the backfield to catch passes very well this year at all. They've given up top five targets, top five receptions, and I believe it's top seven receiving yards to opposing running backs in the passing game. So the opponent sets up nicely and the frequency and volume sets up nicely based on how often Derek Carr is looking his way. Pizza Money's two and three. Alvin Kamara over four and a half receptions and over 30 and a half receiving yards. College Football Saturday on ESPN Radio. It's a critical showdown in the Pac-12. The 14th-ranked Utah Utes storm into the Los Angeles Coliseum to face number 19 USC. Coverage begins Saturday at 7.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Presented by Dr. Pepper. It is interesting as to where he could immediately go in and not just even start in the NFL. Where could Caleb Williams go in and make a difference right away? It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I just want to remind you, as the leaves change, leave the hiring to Indeed. Their all-in-one hiring platform helps you attract, interview, and hire candidates all from one place. And Indeed's interview tool lets you schedule and conduct virtual interviews right from their website. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Joseph, as I look top to bottom, it is amazing to me the number of places where you feel like Caleb Williams could certainly go in and start. But I do wonder, first of all, can we agree that Caleb Williams, from when he gets into the league, is going to be a difference maker pretty quickly? I would... It's hard. It's to always answer hard. That. It's yeah, hard it's to answer that the way you want, not because of him, because of his situation. Is he going to have a situation where he's got competent coaching and some playmakers around him? Because Bryce Young has been set up to fail under Frank Reich and that Carolina offense. Justin Fields, when he first got to the NFL, was set up to fail. 
C.J. Stroud is having success because he's in an organization that's moving in the right direction. Trevor Lawrence was set up to fail. Then Doug Peterson came in. He's set up to succeed. So it's nuanced. To answer your question, I think Williams is ready to go. He is ready to improve a franchise. It depends on if the franchise is ready for him. Okay, so I'm just going to throw a couple of franchises at you in each conference. And you tell me, not starter, because I'm going to give you franchises that we automatically assume he would be the starter. Okay. Okay. But can he start to turn them around relatively quickly? Okay. Okay. New England Patriots. No. Tennessee Titans. No. Denver Broncos. Yes. They've got some receivers there. If they end up holding on to Cortland Sutton, that would be huge. And I think Sean Payton still has something left in the tank once he gets past Russell Wilson. Las Vegas Raiders. Wow. Wow. Who's the coaching staff? Um, yes, because of Devontae Adams, but, man, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, he would improve them. See, if they are near the top or they are trying to get near the top, it's awfully difficult to justify firing Josh McDaniels. You know what I mean? Like, to me, that's where he would automatically get another two years to realistically have a chance with him. Yeah, but then it's like if you had two years already and you didn't do anything and jockeyed into the number one spot, that means this season turns out to be a disaster, which would mean is that the guy you want with his hands on Caleb Williams? Okay, I'll I'll throw this out there just for the hell of it. All right. Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think they would move on in terms of a head coach, and I don't know if it'd be a great one, but the weapons are there. The offensive line is there. He would be able to help them succeed. More so than Dak, right? Actually, now, wait. The question was, will he help them right away? Yeah. Make them better right away? Yeah. Oh, my God. Make a difference right away. I don't know if he'd be better than Dak right away. Okay. That's tough. That's really tough. No, That's I would why say I no, it's going it to take, take some time. Good question yeah. on your behalf. Good one. Washington. Yes. Yeah, I like Sam Howell. They got to improve that offensive line. He would be a step up from Sam Howell. The Giants. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, you're going to just get him killed back there. Like, are the Giants going to do anything to give their quarterback a chance to succeed? Or are they going to continue what they're doing now, which is just malpractice? I would say yes. I would assume the offseason, they get healthier on the O-line, they address the O-line, and they address the receiver position. Okay. The place we, we, we would expect them to go, Chicago. Over see, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's such a hard question to answer because I don't trust anything about the Bears right now. I don't trust the coaching staff. I think the supporting talent has gotten better. I'd say yes, because I think he's going to make better decisions than Justin Fields. He will have the ability to play consistent football over Justin Fields. Fields has way too many bad games. I mean, the second he had a good game, he came back and then had a miserable game against Minnesota. I am going to stop the list there for a very specific reason, because there is a little bit of breaking news that actually could tie in to the Chicago Bears. Garland versus Joe. Breaking news. Oh, wow, this is the real sounder. It is the real sounder. So Michigan is... Going is right now being investigated because there have been allegations of sign stealing against the Wolverines program. Now, sign stealing is not illegal, according to the NCAA. What is illegal is to send people to the game of an opponent, uh, a future opponent, and scout them in person. You're not allowed to do that. That's a Why? big no-no. 
Why it's is a, that a no-no? It's a big no-no. It is, you know, go there to the game in person. You're allowed to scout off of film. You're allowed to scout otherwise, but not off of that. That has been a, a rule because of this very reason. Because it's go there, binoculars, film their signs, do all those kinds of things. Integrity of the okay. game is why this is an issue. So um, Michigan allegedly had people attending games of future opponents as well as possible college football playoff opponents. Okay? Um, I have two questions here for you. Number one, betting related because of this statement. U.S. Integrity, a Las Vegas firm that monitors the betting market, sent out an alert to its sportsbook clients regarding the Michigan controversy on Thursday. ESPN confirmed that. Michigan plays Michigan State this weekend. How would that potentially affect a betting situation with Michigan, if at all? It's interesting, and I don't know if the two are correlated, but this week, at the beginning of the week, Michigan actually moved into the role of favorite to win the national championship. They got past Georgia. A lot of people thought that had to do with the Brock Bowers injury as he could miss the rest of the regular season. But then just yesterday, Georgia retook Michigan. With seemingly no action having taken place, Georgia became the favorite once again over Michigan. So maybe those two are tied together. Maybe they're not. One quick aside on this. Mm. This is the reason right here when people say the rise of sports betting is going to lead to more fixed matches and more corruption. No, it's the opposite. The more legalization we have, the more regulation we have, the more eyeballs we have on it. Companies like this have been monitoring things like this for decades. They keep an eye out and they alert the league. So though just because sports betting is becoming more prolific and more legalized does not mean there will be more corruption. Well, here's where it ties into the Bears. Okay. Let's say this gets ugly and Harbaugh's got to get out of Dodge. Oh, boy. Here we the go. The Bears have wanted Harbaugh for a long time. A long time. What about Caleb Williams in Chicago with Harbaugh? Very interesting. I Very think interesting. that's a great combination, those it, two. I have to wonder how Harbaugh feels about ownership and the way the McCaskies run that team. I say that because his only ever foray into professional football, and he was with the Raiders, but as a head coach with the 49ers, that ended badly because of his relationship with Jed York, the owner of the team. Right. That was the problem. So when you look around at another possible run at the NFL, how much is his relationship with ownership going to matter? Is he going to want really competent ownership that stays out of the way? I mean, it's not like Bears ownership gets in the way, but they don't make a lot of great hires around you. If they just turn it all over to you and get out of the way, I'm sure he'd be fine with it. But yeah. I do wonder about that part. He would probably want a stable organization. And if he's on the market, you know Bob Kraft is going to open up the, the checkbook oh for Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh as well. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for Harbaugh. Can I mean, the Dallas Cowboys for crying out loud. Harbaugh taking over for Belichick? Oh, my God. Holy crap. That I, would be you, something. You thought you couldn't go from an angrier head coach than Belichick, and yet somehow you'd be bringing in the one guy who's more terse with the media. Uh, listen, I pairs up for all the beat writers in Chicago if he ends up there or for anywhere he ends up because it's a nightmare to deal with him on that front, but I think Harbaugh and Williams together would be dynamite in Chicago. That might get it fixed. Oof. That might get it fixed. I, well, I mean, he's a good coach. He's definitely a good coach. We have seen it at every stop he's been to. He has done a tremendous job. All right, let's get to it, Joe. It is Thursday, the same time every Thursday. You know what it's time for. You must be here for the uh, trivia challenge. Do 
you have the answer to this week's trivia question? Oh, I love trivia. What's up, boys? It's hammer time. This is the Himbo Hammer. Hembo is who has pretty consistently gotten dunked on on Get Up over the last several weeks. I mean, yesterday he won one, but it, it, let's let's be honest, he has been getting torn apart. But I mean, Rex Ryan absolutely owns him in every way. Hey, let's hear his question. I, I got it this week. You did not last week. Here is Hembo's question this week. All right, boys, it's hammer time. Big, big game at the shoe this weekend, which raises this question. Which coach has beaten James Franklin the most times in his career? That's at Vandy and at Penn State. Good luck. Ooh. Nice work, Hembo. Really nice. He's really sh- You know what? For everyone who tries to dunk on him, I'm not doing that anymore. These are sharp questions. Well asked. No room for ambiguity. Right. And I think, uh, well, personally, I credit you for that because you yeah. have whined enough about it that he has actually gone out of his way to explain it like it was to a five-year-old. Not whined. Constructive criticism. <laughs> constructive criticism. It, it, look, he shaped up. We should all be happy that he was able to take the coaching that I provided him and he raised his game to another level. M- maybe one day you'll follow suit. Maybe. <laughs> Unlikely. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. answer to this week's trivia question? Oh, I love trivia. What's up, boys? It's hammer time. This is the Himbo Hammer. Okay. We got the question before the break, but in case you missed it, we've got it for you again. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can always hit us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Once again, here is this week's Hembo Hammer question. All right, boys, it's hammer time. Big, big game at the shoe this weekend, which raises this question. Which coach has beaten James Franklin the most times in his career? That's at Vandy and at Penn State. Good luck. I think I got him this time. I'm pretty, I, I, I would say I'm as confident as I've been in an answer besides my Greg McElroy from weeks back. <laughs> and I you would say, good? yeah, I do. I think it's Urban Meyer. Because I'm thinking Florida SEC, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he crossed over with Franklin there and then at Ohio State as well. And his so last I, year would have been 18. I would love to offer more, but we were going through that during the break. And the first thing that came to mind was, well, he's mentioning Vanderbilt for a reason. Who crosses over? 
Yeah. He named Urban Meyer. I have no reason to go in any other direction. I don't have a better answer. I wanted to say Ryan Day, but then we realized, wait, he's only been there a few years. You want to say Harbaugh, but that's only a few years, and I believe Franklin may have gotten him at least once. So I'll side with you on this one, big man. You're red hot right now. All right. Let's find out. Here's the answer. The correct answer is Jim Harbaugh. No! Harbaugh has beaten him five times, all at Penn State. Oh, come on. See, here's the thing. It's pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward right there. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Well hey, done, just, Hembo. Here's the thing. I got fooled at the banana in the tailpipe right there because he did mention Vandy, and it made me think about it. Ah. Urban In Meyer. hindsight, why wouldn't I have guessed something else just so we had two stabs at it? That's that was also stupid. In terms I don't know. Of game go look theory, in the mirror and tell. That was just me. awful. The yeah. game theory there was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Please go look in the mirror and tell me, okay, what you were doing. What were you going to say, Ev? Uh, Urban Meyer, James Franklin never crossed paths at Florida and Vanderbilt. Well, uh, that just tells me everything, doesn't did it? Did they cross paths Ohio State, Penn State? They did, yes. Thank God, because if they had never even played each other, that would have been amazing. Also, <laughs> I'm never especially pl- with my confidence level. Right, you're like, I got him. I got, I got him. him. I got him so good. I'm going to pick one in which they've never actually even squared off before. How about that? <laughs> I'm never playing in a scramble with Joe. He'd be like, Oh, that was a great shot. I'm not even going to hit this time. <laughs> I'll see you later. Yeah. I'll meet you guys right, up there I'll at the ball. I'll keep that in mind when I get invited into something like that. And uh, you're just hovering around with your shirt tucked in, waiting to go. And it, sorry, foursome's all filled up, Wilner, but uh, maybe next time. <laughs> it's a good point, though. It was a great shot on his behalf. I, I had no... I, you get... Hembo's very good at making you outthink yourself whether he's trying to do it or not, right? Like, you yeah. always assume they're sneaky Hembo versus Hembo. You always assume. I don't know. Uh, you know we what? gotta flush Evan, this segment. I say we take the segment, we flush it. Wow, really? Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. It, it really gets the brain and the blood going. It's too much for this time of day. Really? Yeah. I mean, maybe you're just a little low on the blood sugar. Get a little lunch. Well, That's I'm all. O for the century here on this. I haven't had one yet. <laughs> <laughs> but he has several foul tips. <laughs> Evan is the guy in the foursome that is like Vince Vaughn in the movie with John Favreau. What we need to do here is just turn around and get focused and not point fingers. You're a problem. <laughs> you, you're a problem. <laughs> Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. So this was interesting from Albert Breer from SI.com. He was on with uh, Colin Coward, and he was talking about the Bill Belichick situation and exactly what could transpire at the end of the year. And he said, no question that discussions have taken place because Robert Kraft has heard the unhappiness of the fans And, quote, I think we're at the point now where this is this just going to be a flat out firing. Wow. I mean, see, to me, Joe, the only way that that goes down that way is if Belichick wants it to go down that way. In other words, Kraft goes to him, tries to say, hey, let's do this the right way. And Belichick says no. No, you're going to do it my way. You're going to fire me, and I'm not going to be the one looking bad at all this, which I don't think right now, as silly as this is, and as, well, irrational as of a sports town as Boston is at times, and by at times I mean most of the time, um, that Bill getting fired is not going to upset a ton of people in Boston right now. 
No, because we're creatures of recency bias or victims of recency bias. And what people remember most is what's happening recently. And that's the Patriots looking terrible. It can't end like that, though. You can't bring an end to the greatest dynasty in the history of the sport like that. Be better. Be better than that. Well, see, to me, that's going to be on Bill. It is. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I don't think Kraft has any intention of making this messy. He understands what Belichick's done for him. He understands his place in history. He would want to do it in the most comfortable way possible, right? In which no one's feelings get hurt, or at least it just looks good. We'll all know it's a firing, but Bill's stepping down. He's retiring, or he's, he's going to take some time to ponder the next move. All of that just looks good. That's how you end it. Cooler heads need to prevail. You cannot be the greatest dynasty of all time and end the same way things end in Chicago. You can't end the same way things end in Denver and New Orleans and some of these other towns. You got to do it better. You got to find a way to rise above anything other than putting the proper punctuation on this era. I know it's not going out the way everyone hoped, but so be it. Like we've always talked about, you die the villain or you live long enough to become the bad guy. Belichick is so close to becoming the bad guy right now. He can't go out getting fired. That's how everybody else goes out. Not him, not to this dynasty. You you really were so close on that analogy. You were so close. You live long enough to be, you're, the, you're either the hero you die the hero or you live long enough to be the villain. That's what did I say? One. You're either the villain or the bad guy, basically. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna have to reassess. I'm going to have to check the tape. I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to make the necessary corrections. We'll get them next week. We'll get them next week. We'll be better next week. <laughs> I really have to go and check the tape, though. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch the tape. You know, we're going we're gonna to go through it. We're going to make the necessary corrections. We're going to be better. We're going to have a good week of practice. We'll get out there next week with a better focus and a better drive. I can't imagine that Belichick wants this to end badly. I can't imagine he does. But <laughs> then again, it's Bill Belichick. Who knows? This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.